Hey. Ladies hey. and gentlemen, gentlemen, yeah. gentlemen, 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 Since we're getting into underrated songs, uh, this one was definitely one that many people forgot about. And if you forgot about it, that song is called Fresh by Young Dro featuring Jazzy Faye. Uh, so, hey, what's good, everybody? It's Cedric Warren here, your host of Said Talk. Get it? Like TED Talk, but it's me. Couple of things. We have my brother, Justin, is back in the booth, back on video, back in the recording with us this week. Uh, if you remember from week seven, he was on with us. We talked about a lot of good things. We were back home for Christmas, so it's great to have him back. Say what's up, man. Hey, I made it back. <laughs> You did. You didn't go too uh, too extreme to where you couldn't come back. So we appreciate you uh, being back around. I just want to say that uh, my goal is to probably get kicked off, <laughs> but at the same time try to stay at the same time. So I have conflicting, uh, you know, conflicting goals. But if I do get kicked out, guess what? <laughs> I've been kicked out of better podcast than this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good, good goals. Everybody likes uh, good goals. All right, so we we know your agenda, so we know when what to expect when we uh, <laughs> when we hear from you uh, each time. So definitely want to have you on pretty frequently. I think your episode is one of the highest ones I got highest listens. So we definitely want to yeah, have I think you on. It's number two to your first one. Yeah. Nice, nice. All right, man. So we got a couple of good topics. Everybody's uh, seen the video from social media, so we'll go ahead and get into it. So our first topic is dope uniforms. Uh, I remember playing baseball in high school, and I like had to like match to the T, right? Uh, I will never forget the reason I started doing that is because my little league coach, when I was in fourth and fifth grade, always told us to be sharp when we came to the field, make sure our clothes were, you know. They weren't as dirty, and if you know baseball dirt, that red clay is tough to get out, but he always made sure we looked fresh. So he was like, you look good, you play good. So I took that to heart, and I think a lot of teams now are jumping on the bandwagon. So we're going to give you our top 10 most fire uniforms across. Before you get into that, I didn't know the origin story of your uniform obsession. Yes, that is the origin story. That is it. Coach, uh, what was that man's name? I can't remember. Was it Vigrass? No, nah, Vigrass was when I got to Major League. This was minor. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, Coach uh, uh, Dasher. Dasher. There you go. See? How fitting. Dasher, yep. Uh, <laughs> Coach Dasher said, you need to come to the field looking good each and every time. So had to use the, in- the industrial bleach and scrub and get the, the clay out. And make sure we look good. And we won a lot, too, so it was good. Uh, freshman year, we won every game except one. We lost to the Tuck Shot Tigers. Yeah, I was going to say, did we all lose the championship game? <laughs> we lost. No, so we, we played the Tuck Shot Tigers during the regular season, and we played them again in the championship game and lost. So we, we lost two games the whole season. And then the following year, we actually won the championship. But I don't think you were, if you might remember, we went on a cruise right before. Oh. And literally yeah. got back 
just in time for the game. I didn't play because uh, we weren't sure if I was gonna we were gonna make it back, but we did win. So uh, good season. Anyways, all right. So I will kick it off and we'll get into our top ten. So we're gonna start at number ten and go up to number one. All right. So number ten and is uh, coming from the Major League Baseball arena. It is the 1986 White Sox uniforms. All right. It was a very good choice, and I had to look it up to see it, but it was a real dope choice. Uh, I love the logo. I like the fact that they got like a baseball man, stick figurine looking logo. Yeah. And it looks real simple, but it's just dope. And they got like actual colors as red and black and white rather than the black and white they just go with now. Yep. I mean, even though they're the red sock, I mean, the white sock. I like the fact that they threw some red in there. Probably yeah. For the bloodshed of Chicago. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but <laughs> he's not. He's not. I, I thought it was a pretty dope unit, and I, um, I was glad that you picked that one. For sure, yeah. Um, I think it's. I think most people know. I, I think it's interesting too that they're called the White Sox, but they've never worn white socks. They've always that'd be pretty whack. Yeah, especially looked, in baseball. It looked like end up red anyway. Yeah, it looked really gross. So I think for the fact that they're <laughs> called the White Sox, and beforehand they wore the black uniforms and just completely switched it up with the red and blue. I think it's dope. They wear the throwbacks definitely during the summertime, so they're uh, one of my favorite throwbacks in baseball. I think you had a, a hat or something. I probably did. Yeah, when fitteds were the, all the rage. Yeah, man, the 2000s never die. Nay, they never die. 2000s forever. All right. I really enjoyed that 2000 episode, by the way. That was good. That was good. I, I'm nostalgic about the the 2000s. It was a good. We got to be. We got to be the first to bring it back because it's going to come back. It will. years. It's gonna be. It's gonna be. Yeah. It's gonna be like the night how the '90s made a comeback. Yeah. By 2030, everybody's gonna be sagging and wearing do rags and headbands again, and everything else. It's, back to wearing parachute clothes. Right. You're right. It'll be three sizes too big, too and we're big. gonna get blown away. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, white tees with the with the matching undershirt with the sleeves rolled up. Yep. Oh All yeah. Right. Cool. All right, so going to number nine, we got Florida State University, new and old, because they do have some new heat. I definitely like this all black they got now, and it's I think it's really dope. Uh, Florida State has one of those classic uniforms that just been really dope. Not not to not just the helmet, but like the white on gold, and then the the crimson or whatever color it is on gold too. Those are just a great color combination. Yeah, it's a it's a great color combination. It's it's uh different from a lot of the uniforms in college. Mm-hmm. You don't see too many schools wearing that color combination. Uh, the old one is definitely dope. The helmets are dope. Uh, also, the new one, the new style is really good too. Yeah. So they yeah. did a really good job with those. They did. And even though they trash, they look good on the field. So. Oh, they are awful. <laughs> they are awful. Um, yeah, but I, I need them to be good again for a couple reasons. I need them, Virginia Tech and Miami to be good again because like the ACC needs to be competitive. So we need those teams who used to be really good when they were in the Big East uh, to to be good again because no, I'm tired of seeing Clemson just kick everybody's ass like <laughs> nobody you sound like somebody that went to the university of south carolina i did continue and i will continue to hate all the time 
Hate, hate, hate. Hate, yeah. Hate. I hope all the bad things happen to Clemson and only Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Cool. So moving on, uh, keeping with the gold theme in football, we're going to pro football this time. Uh, we got the Saints in their color rush uniforms. And what we're talking about is that all white with the gold stripe outlined with the black, complete with the gold helmet. Uh, definitely think that's the, the old gold helmet. Old gold helmet, yes. Get whacked. Um, <laughs> uh, definitely think that's one of the best color rushes that they did. Black and gold is just a phenomenal combination of colors. Uh, and if you know us, you probably oh, yeah. You know why. Uh, so yeah, I, I like that one. And they're all black is good too. Yeah, uh, yeah, they just do really well. First of all, the colors just go. I mean, yeah, we're biased. You, you, you mentioned your fraternity affiliation on here, right? Uh, I, I think I have once before in passing. I'm, I, uh, yeah, when I did the uh, Greek Life episode, well, and I forgot well, to do just for full disclosure, me and Cedric are members of Alpha Phi Alpha, initiated at the state of New Chapter. Located at the University of South Carolina. Theta. I am Spring 06, and he is Spring 09. Yes, sir. <clears throat> Those were so, trying times. But yeah, back to the Saints. <laughs> yeah, I don't know when they made that switch to that old, that's the throwback helmet color. Yeah. But yeah. That, that was a good move. All right, I, that should be their permanent. Well, nah, they don't have to do that permanently. Well, I can't, I don't know if they switched their helmets or not. I don't pay attention too much with it. <laughs> The, um, definitely keep that old gold on. Yeah. I like that. You know what I thought was interesting is that they wore the color rush that all white during their uh, was it their playoff game or whatever something. Come on, this year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they probably did. And I I didn't think that would be allowed by the swagless NFL to to allow you, know, you to do that. You know, they the got the NFL is just. <laughs> <laughs> they're like they're like they're running a prison. They are. <laughs> they're just so unflexible. They are. It's terrible. All right. Uh, anything else? Oh, uh, not. Okay. So on num- to the next. Number seven. Back to baseball. Uh, the royal blue, pinstriped white Milwaukee Brewers jerseys. They wear these. Uh, I want to say like each MLB team has like a Sunday uniform, and I think this might be one of their Sunday uniforms. I have to look it up, but it's 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 a Sunday home uniform. It's straight fire. When it comes to baseball, you cannot lose with pinstripes at all. Yeah, the pinstripes is so synonymous with baseball. Yeah, like everybody thinks of the Yankees. The Yankees do have a dope uniform, but I don't know. I feel like they haven't changed their uniform, so they boring. Therefore, they they didn't make this list. They haven't uh, and never out, will. <laughs> shout out to the Brewers for um, bringing back those throwback colors because they had switched to a, a darker blue and a, a more gold-looking gold. Now they went with the blue and yellow with yep. this uh, pinstripe throwback, and it looks really good. So it does. It does. Shout out to the Brew Crew. Yeah, you know, I think gold slash yellow is just one of those colors that if you pair it with another, it's gonna it's gonna look great. So, yep, Brew Crew's got there. And then it's got the old school uh, logo, too, with the – I don't know if you know this, but if you pay attention to the logo, it's a baseball glove, but it also looks like an M. Oh, 
Yeah. Yeah. It blew my mind. I was looking at something on Twitter, I think, and I was like, oh my gosh, because the the regular uniforms just have the gold M on there. Right. Yeah. I didn't know that. And then, so. Nor did I ever pay attention, but yeah. I didn't realize I didn't either. And then I think, too, the left side of the M kind of looks like a B with a little bit. It's, it's done very well. It's very creative. Uh, shout out to them. And yeah. shout out for not putting a secret racist symbol right. to throw us off this thing. Right. Uh, all right, number six, still in the baseball realm, Major League Baseball. We're going with the Oakland A's, and we're talking about their home uniforms. It's their all-white. And a lot of teams wear all-white at home, but the Oakland A's took it a step further by wearing white cleats. And white cleats are straight fire in baseball, even if they get super dirty two games into the season. All white, plus the green hat. Sometimes they wear the all green, but mostly they wear the green, uh, white A symbol and the yellow bill. So it looks really good. Yeah, very dope uniform. It's one of the few that have actually kept the same like color scheme and same pretty much style uniform and it's worked for them throughout their history. So shout out to Oakland A. Yep, yep. <clears throat> All right, uh, back into football. So we're going to the pro realm. Uh, so we have the Chargers throwbacks, their powder blue, which is now their current uniform. Uh, and I don't know if you noticed too, they've upgraded the helmets too. It's got the yellow face mask. So I did uh, see that on, I think, Uniswag, their Instagram page, probably pointed that out. Good, good. Yeah, the Chargers, man. First of all, shout out to the genius who told them to switch from that black and yellow mess they were running with for in the 90s. Oh, yeah. It was like a so, dark, really dark midnight navy blue. <clears throat> yeah. It was, uh, it was boring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking at that uniform, I'm like, this uniform has no swag. That's why they didn't win no games. They switched to them powder blues and started winning some games. <laughs> It's all about the so, uniforms. You switch up the uniforms, you win games. Ask the Jets. It usually, it does something. Uh, we we'll, probably can pull up some stats on that. Yeah. It, uh, it definitely does something. It helped uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers when they went from the, the orange to the cream sickle joints. Yeah. Yeah. So, Those were awful. They should shout never. out to the Chargers. Definitely a favorite. And I, you might have, I can't remember if you mentioned this yet, but like powder blue. Just a color that should just be used all the And shout out to the Chargers. Shout out to the Houston Oilers from back in the day. Yeah, so many teams have used powder blue. The Phillies, uh, Oilers. Um, I could probably do a quick. Oh, I forgot about the Phillies. Google shirts, and and the Phillies had that like maroon color, but it still looks really good. Uh, yeah, that actually worked. Yeah, it did. It did, surprisingly. You know who else? Uh, the, this is part of the Royals color scheme, but they have, you know, the Kansas City Royals have their powder blue. Oh, that's a throwback. Yeah, powder blue with the yeah. white and sometimes royal blue lettering. Yeah. Yeah, they should switch. Let's see. I'm going to do a quick Google search. And just... Oh, the twins had them? The twins are bringing those back, actually. You might have to put that on the, the links and on yeah. Instagram, man. Yeah. I got to see that. Yeah, yeah. I realized the twins did Yeah, see, powder blue, I guess that was just the color of the 70s, man. Yeah. Everybody did all that acid and cocaine. <laughs> so that's just what they saw. That's what so they... shout out to the powder blue. Shout out to the 70s. Shout out to disco balls, man. Yeah, man. Y'all, 
thank you for bringing those colors back and thank you to society for coming around on colors i think <laughs> there was a time period where we like we didn't like bright colors we didn't. <laughs> it was all blacks and white black white red and blue Real, that bowl what do you call it? real just like stern colors <laughs> yeah now we're back to doing colors again yeah let's get a little let's get a little crazy here also yeah, another uh, crazy yeah another team that's bringing back the uh powder blue the toronto blue jays alternate home and road option in 2020 how did you find it quick google search of powder blue uniforms that's ridiculous yeah, <laughs> yeah. It is it is pretty dope uh the cardinals oh man i forgot about the cardinals oh man yeah the 70s bow yeah that acid <laughs> and them drones Maybe that's sixties. I don't know, but like it definitely spilled into the seventies. The Cardinals. There ain't I, no way. Why yeah. every team got a powder blue uniform though? I think the Braves got one. They do. Jeez, uh, <laughs> they got one. I'm I'm scrolling through pictures here and I'm seeing uh, the Rangers have one too. The look on your face makes me suggest that it's disgusting. It's it's not. It actually looks pretty good. I'm going to post all these. So quick, quick plug. We now have uh, Said Talk Instagram. I'll mention it again at the end of the show. But uh, follow us on Instagram. It's at said underscore talk. I'm going to post all these uniforms on there uh, so you can see them. Uh, and we'll talk about it. I think I did this one time on my own Instagram, just randomly posting uniforms. But all right, let's finish out the list so we can get to our other stuff too. But uh, powder blue is is a uh... powder blue is where it's at. <laughs> you know what? I just had this correlation. It's probably called powder blue because of <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> it probably is. blue magic. Magic from us. Blue magic. <laughs> Even though that was heroin, I think, but still, this is probably all correlated. Yeah, it's it's an illicit substance. All right, all right. <laughs> Since we're keeping with the theme of powder blue drugs, uh, we're gonna move on to the Miami Heat. Uh, in oh the, wow, that was actually <laughs> <laughs> the Miami Heat and the Miami Marlins uh, as well in their uniform. So the Miami Heat have the normal red and black and blue as Justin called it, uh, <clears throat> uniforms. But for their city edition, uh, which highlights something particular in the NBA, if you're not f- familiar with the city edition uniforms, each NBA team highlights something particular to their city. Like here in Indianapolis, they have racing stripes and like the checkerboard on the uh, city edition for the Pacers. Uh, so for, for the Heat, it's pretty consistent with the pink and powder blue uh, in their Miami Vice uniforms. The Marlins have gone through several changes and I will say the original Marlins uniforms are are pretty fire. So that teal and black, shout out to Coastal, uh, and uh, is pretty good. But they've gone to the Miami Vice look too with the inclusion of some pink and and powder blue. Yeah, that Miami Vice was sick, man. Shout out to the Heat and shout out to the Marlins for switching over. Uh, Dolphins, y'all can join, even though their uniform kind of dope. Yeah. But, uh, the Dolphins don't need to change. They good mention with the old my, Florida Marlins. Their yep. uniform was ahead of its time. And it I think um, that was the era where we were into the stern colors. So they yeah. they switched to a crazy black and orange carnival looking colors. But yeah. then they got it right with the. Um, the Miami Vice joint. So. 
They did. Finish a good job. All right. So uh, another uniform ahead of its time. Uh, so we're moving to the NBA. Uh, sticking with the NBA too. The Vancouver Grizzlies. So one, the Grizzlies aren't even in Vancouver anymore. And I'm still trying to figure out. We talked about this. How did they even end up in Vancouver of all places? Right? Some rich man in Vancouver wanted a team. But. Right. Some Canadian fisherman was like, I want that. So let me get that E. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, the Vancouver Grizzlies, man. Uh, that joint is that another teal uniform? Yeah, it's, a, it's like that Florida Marlin teal, but like yeah, it was, it's really dope. And I'm starting to see Memphis where they are now, starting to wear it more. And it's a, uh, it's pretty dope. So like, I really like want to get a John Morant Vancouver Grizzlies for sure, for sure. They got. Um, it looks like they've it's a yeah definitely a teal color with like that 90s just kind of funky i don't know african pattern or something around the 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 sleeves and the neckline and then the uh grizzlies logo kind of looks like the you know outside of a basketball it's it's really dope it's just really dope done very well so yeah, yeah, we'll definitely definitely post that one too as well. All right, uh, number two, uh, we're going to the Stern Colleges. <laughs> uh, back to college football. We will talk about the it's the Army and Navy uniforms, and we're specifically talking about the uniforms that they wear during the Army and Navy game. All right, so they come with straight heat. Right. And we're not talking about the M4s and M16s they carry into the battlefield. We're talking about on the gridiron, the straight heat uniforms from the U.S. Military Academy and the Naval Academy. Yeah, I don't know who sits and uh, comes up with the concepts for when they play each other, but they're always really good. And they always go like bold and they're different. One year, Navy had uh, different carriers or ships on their helmet. Yeah. Like they were all hand painted. Yep. Each. Uh, yep. One year they did a, a shout out, a salute to the Blue Angels, which yeah. is like a tactical oh, uh, fighter pilot group in the Navy. Yeah. Uh, Army does a great job as well. I think this year they did like a throwback to like World War One. Yep. Uh, one year they had all black on and a little red. Like they just don't care. They just go bold. <laughs> they yeah. don't. They sticking to no kind of tradition. It's just like, yeah, these uniforms gonna be fly. We got the whole nation watching. We we need to have something for these boys to watch because this is all option football. For sure. Yep. <laughs> uh, the army, I think it was in like 2017. They had that all black for the big red one infantry unit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Then I think they had the. Um, the, the one you were talking about, the the carriers on the helmets, was basically, so what it was is that the U.S. Navy has several fleets that make it up, and for each fleet, they had it correspond on the helmets to the position group. So, like, your smaller ships were your, you know, running backs and wide receivers because they're fast. Your linemen was, like, the carrier, your quarterback, and also. So, I mean, it's just a really dope, well-thought-out concept, you know what I'm saying, uh, to whoever 
came up with that. So, like you said, option football, one game of the year that everybody's going to watch because it's the week before the uh, conference championships, and everybody's you know still wanting to watch college football in December. So, it's actually the after the conference. Is it? I think it. Yep. Mm-hmm. It's the week after. So usually the same week as. Uh, High, same day as the Heisman. Yeah. Oh, yep. Yeah. I think in 2017 they had the the Blue Angels one, and then Army had the all white for the Mountain Warfare joints. Yeah, they never disappoint. And then the they had the Don't Tread on Me uniforms with like it, it's just fire. All these will be posted so you can see them. All right, so we're at the top spot, and if you know me. And if you know my fandom, it is the Oregon Ducks. Yeah, you know, you were super biased, but even I had to admit that Oregon football just takes the cake when it comes to uniform. And they get it for the million combinations they have, for how long they've been doing. They were trendsetters. I don't think anybody paid attention probably to uniform. Or at least doing uniforms differently until Oregon just started changing their uniform every week. And they're bold. They've gone yellow. They've gone gray, black. Uh, the helmet be fired. They've thrown the old school in there. Um, they throw apple green. They'll, they have like 50 shades of green. It's yeah. just crazy yeah. the stuff they come up with. So it, yeah. every every game, they're going to come with some fire. Some fire. Shout out to Oregon. Shout out to Nike. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was a a tactic. It was a recruiting tactic because in the Pac-12, you know, USC was dominating. Washington had UCLA. Those schools were pulling the best players. So they needed a way to say, like, okay, how are we going to get these young, talented boys to come to Oregon, right? So When you say young, talented boys, you mean young, talented black boys. Exactly. Exactly. To come to Eugene, Oregon. And I've been to Eugene, Oregon. And nice little town. Campus is really nice, but I mean, it's white. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, white is the sidelines on the football field. So, uh, <laughs> so it was a recruiting tactic, and then with Sport of Field Night and Nike, they not only switched up the uniforms, like how teams will wear like a special one on homecoming or for a rivalry game. They did it week after week after week. I think I saw somewhere they have over like 1,500 uniform combinations. It's unreal. You know, they they never wear the same thing twice. You know, I think they, they pick out their uniforms for the season. One year in October, they had pink on their uniforms for breast cancer awareness. I think that was 2015. Nice. So uh, way ahead of the game. And then the most fire uniform they ever had, you know what I'm getting at, was when they imitated Sebastian the Ibis. I mean, that's that's Miami, excuse me. When they imitated the duck, they had the white helmet that had the shimmer, the green uh, O, the orange face mask that looked like the bill, green jerseys, white pants with orange socks. I'm going to post it so you can see it. Straight fire. Cool. Oh, yeah, just to let you know, the, um, the audio demon came in for a little bit while you were speaking. Okay. It was weird, yeah. but uh, you'll probably see once you go through it. But yeah, I think I remember that one. I don't know if that one was my favorite, but I can tell you my favorite from this year is that, I think the ones they wore in the Rose Bowl, the, the apple green. I'm a real fan of that shade of green. Yeah, the, that was dope. they have that, like, and I think they, I like how they utilize all shades, even though their main color is like that, 
light apple green color and yellow. They utilize all shades of green. Oh yeah, they they are not afraid. That's good. Plus the boldness of just going all yellow, right? Yeah, not my favorite, but I you gotta respect bold, man. So go outside the box. Yeah. Get thrown out, man. Do it. <laughs> all right, cool. So that was our top ten uniforms across the board. Uh, so definitely, I will post those on our Instagram web uh, Instagram page. Uh, once again, that Instagram page is at said underscore talk. So be sure to follow us on Instagram. We'll be posting the pictures plus the link to the show as well. All right, so we're gonna move on and we're gonna get to something a little more serious, uh, I guess. Uh, and we're gonna. <laughs> talk about how to better teach black history in schools. Uh, It's almost the last week of January. We're moving into February for Black History Month. We just celebrated one of black histories. Yep, Justin's throwing up the Black Power Fist. We just celebrated Martin Luther King Day, uh, one of the most prominent black figures in the country in history. Uh, But Martin, Rosa, Jackie, and Malcolm are like the top people you hear about all the time in school, right? Uh, Malcolm was a little more military than everybody else but you know they still mention them or whatever they may give you a few other people every now and then but for the most part those are the ones you hear about and you don't really hear about anything else so Justin has some I guess you can say tips or suggestions for better teaching of black history in schools go ahead all right yeah so just for a full disclaimer uh, usually when I come on here I'm gonna try to have a list of some sort I had a list for the last episode I was on. So definitely going to uh, run through this list. But also, I got to make a confession to America. Um, I, as a black person, have laughed at slave jokes, told some slave jokes. And um, I'm sorry. I'm just, I got to do better. It is what it is. But, but you know, y'all all laughed at that Dave Chappelle skit when they did the Roots Out tape. Oh, of course. So, yeah. Got to laugh to keep from crying. <laughs> All right. So we got that out of the way. Black history education. Well, first, let's start with um, how we were educated about black history growing up, or lack thereof, really, how you can best define it. I have learned more about our black history probably as an adult than I did anytime K through 12, like you mentioned, they, it seemed like the big three for black history is always Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King, and Malcolm X. And then they only go surface with those people. They don't give the whole context of the story. They don't tell, uh, they don't give all sides. They, uh, it's like you said, Malcolm was militant, Martin was nonviolent, Rosa Parks sat down. You know, that's what you get. And there's just so much more to those stories and those people that need to be told. So shout out to people out there now getting these stories out there. And then plus getting those stories of so many other people who help uh, frame black history. Yeah, did you, did you, I had no clue to speak to real quick about, I had no clue about the ladies from Hidden Figures. Like no clue Nobody whatsoever. Nobody knew about those ladies, man. Like Nobody. Catherine Johnson and and the two other like nobody knew about that. I'm like, here we are. We always talk about how Neil Armstrong, first man on the moon or whatever, and being here in Indiana is he's like a 
a deity because he went to Purdue. Uh, so uh, did he? Yes, he's a graduate of Purdue. He oh, has that's a, a Jeopardy question for you. Yeah, he has a whole like engineering, space engineering building named after him. Got a statue, all that stuff. That's what's up. Yeah. Okay, let me run this list though. All right, go ahead. So, um, you know how every year around this time, man, you just hear a story about some white teacher just. We are gonna um, let's do uh, let's teach the kids how slavery was, and we're gonna reenact slavery, like either reenact the auction or reenact the treatment of slaves. And for whatever reason, the white kids end up being the owners, and the black kids end up being the slaves. Yeah, so unimaginative, you know. And then it always causes controversy because it's just, you know, you're white, you can't do that. So this is how I decided we we're going to counteract. For every slave reenactment, we're going to have a slave rebellion reenactment. <laughs> I mean, it's only fair, and we and we need to talk more about these slave rebellions. We do. And dude, this makes me think of the comment Kanye made about how he said slavery was a choice and whatnot. And I think it's just a lack of education on his part, there were a lot of slave rebellions. Slaves were always, you know, fighting against it. And you know, some of us know about Matt Turner and other rebellions, but there's, there's probably a ton of just rebellions out there that, that need to be talked about. People people aren't just laying down taking Yep. So one, slave rebellion reenactment. And yes, the black kids will be <laughs> well, you can use your imagination. Next, I want to see HBCU tours. I think uh, our historically black college and universities just don't get enough credit. Nope. Uh, they don't. They Howard University um, in D.C., where I'm at, they have so many famous alumni. Like, their drama department yeah. has so many, like, stars and movie stars that went there. Yeah. Um, just to name a few off the top of my head, you, uh, Carrie Washington, yep. Lance Gross, who yep. was in some movies, I believe, Lamont Rucker went there. Yeah. Chadwick. Uh, Chadwick Bozeman. The boy from uh, South Debbie Carolina. Allen. Uh, Felicia Rashad, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, she did. And there's a whole, there's a lot more. If you watched, uh, for those who watch Dear White People, the Netflix series, the girl who plays Joelle went to Howard. Nice. So it's just uh, so many, uh, and that's just superficial, like Hollywood people. Like yeah. HBCUs have a ton of uh, famous alumni, and they they're really good quality schools, and I just think they just get overshadowed by white universities. So every school should be going on HBCU tour, and just love the black college experience. Yeah. Um, you want to pledge your kids while you're there? Do it. <laughs> you want to go into uh, doing a halftime show with the marching band? Go for it. Anything else? Because you pledge everything at an HBCU. Yay. Oh, hold on. I, I got to flip out of, uh, out of my uh, headphones. 
you pledge everything at HBCU. I went to a alpha probate, I think my senior year, spring 12 at state, man. And like, they shouted out, they dorm, they major, the, the clubs they was in. Then they went to where they was from. Then they went to their line name, their number. I'm like, you pledge as soon as you step on campus, man. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a different culture. And, and it is. black people, I mean, I think, I didn't know too much about HBCU culture, and I'm black, and right. I'm yeah. ashamed of that. So yeah. everybody should know. They should. We should know. They 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 play. They have played a very integral role into the education of black people before we were allowed to attend predominantly white institutions, and they still are very important as well. Right, and so I think if you, it's taught more, if we talk about the history, how they started. If I'm not mistaken. Quite a few of them were started by white men yeah. who had some money. Uh, Hampton is one of them that was started as a teacher's institute, I believe. Um, I believe Benedict and Allen, possibly. Nope, those were started by churches. Yeah, so. Yep. Let's, let's, um, let's get more HBCU love in there. For sure. And then also, I just want to learn about more history you know, in famous black history events that they don't get really talked about a lot. So the Tulsa riot slash Black Wall Street riot. Yep. Uh, that just now coming out in the forefront. We need to start teaching about that. Uh, also, we can bring in the present day and let's talk about the influence of hip hop on America. It's been a hip hop culture is probably one of the most valuable cultures, definitely in the U.S., probably in the world. It's, it's been so influential. Let's talk about it and not make it seem like it's some um, afterthought. This is all part of black history. Yeah, for sure. I think the, the Tulsa one is, is super important because um, that has not to the extent, but it's happened in a lot of other cities too. It's a lady I met with during my job. She's from Cincinnati and she talked about similar type things happening where, you know, black people were just pushed out of neighborhoods forcefully. You know what I'm saying? That one was very, very violent. And we had established so many, you know, banks and, you know, things to essentially put us ahead, you know what I'm saying, in our own communities. Uh, And if you get a chance to, everybody that's listening, go to the uh, uh, African-American Smithsonian for the African-American Culture and History Museum in D.C. There is a section there that features uh, a lot of the first black settlements and just towns in, in various states. So it's very interesting. Yeah. And then also there's just so many like names and famous black people who have contributed that hardly ever get talked about. Like I mentioned before, we mentioned Rosa Parks, MLK, and Malcolm, but we there's James Baldwin, Angela Davis, Benjamin Banneker, James Lafayette, who has a very interesting story. Do you know his story? I don't. Yeah, he was a Revolutionary War spy, a double agent, actually. He spied for the U.S. against Britain, and then he was so good at it that Britain wanted him to be a spy for for them, for the U.S. So, but he actually was always on the U.S. side. And then for his efforts, you know what they did for this man? They left him a slave. 
he was gone. He joined the war to be a to get free. They said, well, because you were a spy, you weren't really in the war. And then some white man petitioned on his behalf, and he had, he was able to become free. They should make a movie about that. Yeah, it's a very interesting story. Um, just to go through the list of people, I got Marshall Major Taylor. He was a famous cyclist. Never heard of him till I saw a Hennessy commercial. <laughs> and how? Oh gosh, why did it have to be on the Hennessy commercial? He, well, black people like Hennessy. They do. Hennessy is gross. <laughs> Let's just all right. It's 2020, and I want everybody to recognize this. Hennessy is not good. You all drink it just because it's mentioned in rap songs and on TV, and it's promoted to you people. Yeah, I said you people. <laughs> Uh, promoted to y'all <laughs> because I, it's just not good. It's not good. Uh, I get whiskey is much better. Shout out to Uncle Nearest. That's another thing we need to learn about. Uncle Nearest. Yeah, that's yeah another thing. It's probably so many stories like that where a black person actually invented it yeah. and a white man stole it. Pretty much. That's probably every invention. Just about. <laughs> just about. And with it, names like Charles Drew, yeah. Gordon Parks, Jacob Lawrence. Bass Reeves, Robert Smalls. He has a very great story, and he's from South Carolina. Yep, stole the. Do you know this Robert Smalls yeah, story? Yeah, he, he uh, stole the Confederate battleship. Yeah, yeah that's what huge. An awesome story. I didn't learn about that in school. And we're from, you know, it's, in South Carolina, they teach a lot about South Carolina history from like first through eighth grade. Right. Damn. Yeah, now, now fitting that was omitted from oh, the textbooks. Right. <laughs> Then you got Garrett Morgan, which some people have heard of, but he's a, he invented so many things. And then you got the Hall of Renaissance era, the Black Panthers, just so many people. And like I'm learning a whole lot because I'm reading my son this book called Little Legends, by and it's by Vashti Harrison. And Vashti kind of goes through the, some of the names I listed, and I had never heard of Gordon Parks. He's a famous photographer, I believe. Or no, neither Jacob Lawrence, who was a painter from the Harlem Renaissance, or Bass Reeves, who was a U.S. Marshal. Like, never heard of those people until I started reading this little kid's book. Yeah. So, so much culture out there to be to be learned. And frankly, the U.S. history book should have another book coincide with it called Black History, just to kind of show like the parallels and how we were significantly intertwined and we pretty much built the country. So it's like, we did. let's acknowledge that Physically. we did stuff other than be slaves and yeah. fight for civil rights. <laughs> like, yeah. We I did mean, so much more. We, we, like, we've been in a struggle. 2020 and I think we're just now getting the Madam C.J. Walker movie. Uh, yeah, that's coming, uh, which is cool. So I'm in Indy for everybody listening, uh, for those in South Carolina. And there is the Madam C.J. Walker Theater, which has been recently restored. It was um, bought by the university in partnership with that. Uh, so they have a lot of plays and programs for minority youth in Indianapolis. So uh, quick fact that you probably didn't know, nor did I know, that Indiana Avenue, right where I work, was one of the most prominent black areas for businesses, jazz, uh, so music, arts, all that. I mean, you're, you're, you know, Louis Armstrong, all those people like that were living and working down Indiana Avenue. Um, and it was just a, a hub for black people in the Midwest. Uh, so 
Very interesting. I'll post a pick too. I, I took a picture the other day when I was with the frat for MLK Day. We did a MLK Day march uh, along there down Indiana Ave. So I'll post that picture on there. It gives a quick history of Indiana Avenue. Definitely do your Googles. Uh, you'll find out some good stuff. Uh, so yeah. Oh, the other prominent person that we always hear about every year, Black History, Harriet Tubman. And we just got a movie about her. Right. <laughs> Have you seen it? No, I missed it when I was in theater run. So I, I, I gave up a black card for that. But I am going to see Bad Boys tomorrow. To Can I get half a card for that? I saw that. No. And it's, it's good. Action is good. Uh, I think comedy wise, it's not as funny as Bad Boys 2. But the action is still very good. The plot is still very good. That's what's up. Yeah. So look forward to that. He kind of got sidetracked. That's a white man movie, but yeah, black actors, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, just more. Give us more. For sure. Teach the kid more. For sure. Do you remember when grandma used to send us that list of like black inventors and stuff like that? Yeah. Yeah, I do. She used to send us like stuff like that. Like we we would get Christmas presents, but we got like a bunch of educational stuff too, right? Yeah. So those, and then read out of it, just ignorant. Yeah, black. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. We know better now. We'll teach the next generation. Yeah, packs will pack packs that will be better than yeah, us. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I remember one of the things I specifically specifically remember was just a list of inventors and like the pencil sharpener invented by a black dude. Um, he got tired of sharpening them pencils himself by hand with a a, a knife. Uh, the stoplight, uh, the refrigeration system, I believe, ice cream, the mop, like uh, just a whole bunch of like household items that we use every single day and see every single day is like that's us, you know. And I tell people all the time too. Um, you know, I'm proud to be a graduate of University of South Carolina. I think our school has an interesting history in that at one time we were allowing post reconstruction, allowing African Americans to attend that school and get degrees. Uh, there were African Americans in the in the SC State House, but a simple change in you know regime switched it all up. Uh, we physically built the Horseshoe, which is where our main campus started. Uh, so we are very much intertwined and a part of that university as anybody else. And I tell new students now in my role with the Black Alumni Council, don't even even if you're feeling isolated, remind yourself that you more than anybody deserve to be there because your ancestors physically built that school. And not only did they do that, they contributed to it to make it what it is. Uh, and one of the other most prominent people, Richard T. Greener, you know, is the reason we have a functioning library system. First black Harvard grad, didn't know about him. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and first black professor at University of South Carolina. So shout out to the alma mater. Yeah, you know, University of South Carolina likes to pretend we are, we're not a part of that school. Which is funny because there was a time in like the late 90s and 2000, there was a whole lot of black people there. 14%. Probably like around 20%, I believe. Uh, like maybe I, not that high. 14 to 15%. According 14 to. to 15, yeah. I exaggerate. Everybody always exaggerates. Yeah. So 14 to 15, yep. which is super high. Most white universities probably go, what, 5% at most? Yep. Five to seven, yeah. maybe. Yeah, so even when we were there, I think we were in the double digits. Probably around 10. 
it definitely had to be between like 10 and 12. But it's gone down. Is, yeah, it slowly goes down when you want to um, raise the profile. Yeah. Never mind. But whatever. Yeah, exactly. We built the whole state. We might, we should go for free. <laughs> yeah, we should. Georgetown started to acknowledge that. And they let all their descendants of slaves go to Georgetown. That could be a reparation, man. Like, it really could. Free college tuition. <laughs> that's like, a good start. That's a good start because you know if y'all want these student loans, y'all can have them. All right. All right. <laughs> you can you can keep them. Uh, I will say this, uh, and then we can wrap up too if you're almost done um, with the. This so in last year, sixteen four hundred years. I think you've seen that through the New York Times, sixteen nineteen project through the New York Times, recognizing four hundred years of oppression. Uh, schools like Yale, Harvard, and and a couple others have started to acknowledge the contributions, the uh, work done by slaves at their universities. So they're working to change like names of dorms and different buildings because they're basically former slaveholders, racist people, you know. So it's traumatic to be living in a dorm that was named after a very racist person. So it's a yeah, good start. And I'll conclude with this. America we we took some steps back in twenty sixteen. We took a lot of steps back. But slowly, we got to get to the point where we just got to be comfortable talking about slavery and race relations. I think I saw a quote somewhere like racism is as American as anything else. It's American as apple pie. (laughs) We really got to do better with talking about it and stop acting like it didn't happen. Yep. 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 All right. That's good stuff. Good conversation. All right, so we're going to appreciate that. So we're going to switch gears. We're going to go into more African-American contributions. All right. Hey. Yeah, let's talk about that. We're getting into five underrated bangers. And I'm talking about tracks that, like, once you hear them, you're going to be like, yo, forgot about that song. That was, you're right. You know, that got played, but it didn't get the recognition it should have. So... Justin's got the the five underrated bangers. We'll play some clips for you uh, as well. So you'll probably download them, add them to your Spotify playlist, your workout playlist, stuff like that. So uh, go ahead and kick it off. Yeah. First one, Looking Boy by Hot Styles in 2008. Oh, man. That was like rapping freestyle comedy almost. All right. Let's take a listen. Let's go. I said I'm with it if you with it. Boy, I'm out. Boy, I'm out. Yeah. We looking boy, you slow looking boy. Dirty white sock, you toe looking boy. You red looking boy. Will you marry me? Splat looking boy. You go bird bang, whip looking boy. Midnight train glass night looking boy. You pole looking boy. Don, I'm as old. Never hear whole looking boy. All right, so uh, go ahead and give us your next one. Impossible. By Kanye West featuring Twister and Keisha Cole came out in 2006. Yeah, uh, I remember that track too. That was a good one, definitely a good one. All right, so let's take a listen to this one. I've been waiting my life and I stayed on my 
get that official shit. Kanye in that twisted shit. That's so impossible to get it. Get it? That's so impossible to get it. Get it? That's so impossible to get it. Ain't no way that you could pull up to the party in the Benny blow and be getting club like this. Ain't no way that you could cook up in the studio with Kanye and get a juke in the club like this. All right, good, good. All right, so what's your third one? What you got? Can't stop, won't stop. Rockefeller Records. Hey, by the Young Guns, two thousand three. Hey, that joint old. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, good old, times. And when you see the video, you'll really oh, know it's yeah, old. For sure. It's the two thousands in a microcosm. It is. It is. They also had their song "No Better Love," but we'll we'll play this track too. So take a listen to this one as well. Can't stop, won't stop. Six figure. <laughs> Uh, young Gunners, uh-huh. Chris and Neve, right. yeah. uh, uh, it's official state P representatives. Can't stop, won't stop, Rockefeller records, cause we, we get down, baby, we get down, baby. Girls, the girls, they love us, cause we stay fresh to death, you're the best, you're the best. They don't make us the breakers, when they make up the breakup. No. See the Jacob fix, they little makeup. No. That's them young gunners, Chris and Lil Neefy. But Chris got Lil Kiki. Right. Home base, yeah, I'm cool back there. Uh-huh. Keep your mouth shut, we might do that there. Yup, it's only right, let the whole block stand. All right, next one. Uh, we're going to go to another decade. Buzzing. Came out in 2011 yep. by a rapper named Man. Yep. He had a version with 50 Cent. And, uh, yeah, the remix with, is a remix also with 50 Cent. Yep. And this is, um, for those who are not familiar, the sample in this song is from a group called New Shoes, I Can't Wait. So once you download the buzzing song, download the New Shoes, I Can't Wait, and then try to find a video of New Shoes, I Can't Wait, <laughs> and you will be thoroughly surprised. Yeah. And you'll know what I mean once you see the video. For sure. You remember when we used to hear songs and then try to, like, we would download the, the sample? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it's crazy now because now the songs out now are sampling songs from like 2002, 2003. Yeah, it makes and, me feel old. Yeah, for but sure. But also I greatly appreciate it. For sure, for and sure. I, and I realize um, I have more notes on each song. Are we going to come back to these songs? Or yeah, we- we'll come back to them. We'll come back to them. Okay. All right. Uh, so take a listen to Buzzin'. Give us your last one. The last one. Marvin Gaye and Chardonnay came out in the summer of 2011. Big Sean featuring Kanye West and Roscoe Dash. Y'all remember him? Yeah. Roscoe had 2009, 10, 11, 12 on lock. He was like T-Pain after T-Pain. He had good tracks, 
plus he had features, but we'll talk about that in a second. So take a listen, Marvin Gaye and Chardonnay. Yeah. No, a nigga don't really want to take his cool off, uh, boy. Go ahead. I just press this early in the morning. When she on the line, I'ma take my time. Yeah. Do it how we want. Just to set the mood. Girl, I brought some water. Yeah, you're shining Hold up, 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 hold up. Yeah. She love the way I'm doing. All right, are we, you want to start with Looking Boy? Yeah, let's let's roll with that. Yeah, Looking Boy. First of all, this is probably a song ahead of its time for pre-popular YouTube era. I believe if this song came out now, it would probably get like 200 million views because sure. it's just so creative in the way they they rap this. And it was the punch. It was just punchline after punchline. And they're roasting people. It, it's like yeah. it's like wilding out. So it was like freestyle comedy. You know what I'm saying with the wilding out show. And he does like the wild style battle where they freestyle and, and roast each other. You know what I'm right. saying. So, but they're doing it at, at such a like quick pace. You know what I'm saying. They are rapping so fast. Yeah, you can still understand them. And then. Looking Boy is the edited version, which I actually like better. The real version says "looking ass nigga." <laughs> it made me laugh, but I was like, it doesn't flow because they have to say it so fast on the explicit version. Yeah. So I actually just prefer the Looking Boy version. But uh, it was produced by Nitty. It's a Nitty beat. Yep. Had that young and jock. For those are not familiar with Nitty, his most famous song is Young Jock's Going Down. He also did Gucci Man Go Head and well, a more recent um, banger. He did Rich Homie Quan's Flex, also known as Ooh Ooh Ooh. Okay. That's what's up. Yeah. All right. So there, there were remixes to this song. Bow Wow did one, R. Kelly did one, Cassidy did a verse. Uh, I listened to the R. Kelly verse and I cringed. <laughs> Yeah, it probably had nothing to do with the lyrics, just that sometimes when you hear R. Kelly on certain things, you just like, good lord, what a fall from great. He's a creep. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. He's <a> creep. <laughs> God. <laughs> He's like the Cosby of the musical. Oh, God. <laughs> but um, this song, it reached number 47 on the hot Billboard 100, 9 on the hot rap, 11 on the R&B hip hop. So it, um, as far as the culture was concerned, we recognized it as a pretty much a top ten hit, but For it sure. didn't quite crack the mainstream. For sure. But um, I wonder if people remember this song. So put it in the comments. Let us know if you remember this song. I do, and I really wish uh, this song. But it came out. If it comes out now, I think you get even more. Uh, remixes for it like you're gonna have everybody doing their own thing to it it could have really been and then you probably have a hashtag all sorts of things this possibility this song had yeah but another fun fact that you probably didn't know about this song eminem used a part of the song in a, a song of his and they are currently suing eminem or they sued eminem for use of the sample without their permission gotcha Oh yeah, and Young Jock is also 
he raps on this song. Yep. So shout out to Young Jot. Great uh, first album. So yeah, that is the rundown. Do you have any anything else for Looking Boy? Like, no, I, I remember just kind of probably doing it with friends or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Not necessarily freestyling, but definitely just, you know, saying, oh, you all, you know, whatever, whatever, looking boy. You know what I'm saying? So I, I think I remember the uh, episode, or not the episode, but the uh, explicit version. But yeah. All right. On to the next one. Impossible. Kanye West featuring Twi- Twista and Keisha Cole. So like this is like a little random track that just kind of came out. It never made anybody's album. It's actually on the Mission Impossible Three soundtrack. Really? It, yeah. And I love Mission Impossible. That's like one of my mo- favorite movie series. I did not know that. Yeah. And it was um, Tom Cruise was actually delighted to know that Kanye was going to be on the album. I even I mean the soundtrack, and I read also read another source that said Tom Cruise asked Kanye, that Kanye be on the soundtrack. So uh-huh. it was produced by Michael Giacchino. So I always thought Kanye West produced this song. It has a very Kanye feel, right? For it's sure. uh, a white man named Michael Giacchino who is famous for scores for Jurassic Park, Star Trek, a bunch of Pixar films, and he also did scores for video games such as Call of Duty. Uh, Bet you didn't do that. I didn't. Yeah. Uh, it's Impossible is a sample of a 70s R&B funk group called New Birth. Okay. Yeah. So maybe you want to check out that um, original if you get a chance. Oh, but this song wasn't received with a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of uh, what's the word fanfare. Yeah. Uh, there was an article in 2013 in Rolling Stone that it made the list of 20 horrible songs made by great rappers. Oh, dang. Right. And the comment was skittering beat never settles into a groove. Uh, so Ron never explained what exactly is supposed to be impossible. Granted, is the rhymes the best on here? Probably not. But the beat is just so, to me, infectious. And when you hear it, you start getting hyped at the beginning. And you know what I mean when, when you hear it. And I got it on my like gym playlist now. Yep. And it's just, it's like a hype black superhero kind of song. It's it's it definitely kicks up really well, and I can definitely see it. Like if they made like a black superhero cartoon, like that be like the closing credit song or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and actually, this song was played, I believe, during the closing credits of Mission Impossible. Now I gotta go back and watch the movie. Well, just fast forward to the end to see if they play it. For sure, it was good. And shout out to Twista, who had a nice little run in the 2000s. Yeah. Shout out to Keisha Cole. Whose debut album is Straight Fire? Did you ever go back and listen to it? I did. I did, and I was like pleasantly surprised to be like, "Wow, good, right? This like, is." Keisha was singing, boy. She had a she lot of like, hits on there too, though. The two thousands version of Mary J. Blige. That's what sure. I kind of think of for sure. Keisha Cole. So shout out to Keisha. So yeah. All right. And possibly listening to it, enjoy it. We appreciate it for its its greatness. Yeah, add it to your playlist. All right, next. Can't stop, won't stop. The Young Guns, two thousand three. Got a Harlem Shake to that joint. The beat is 
bananas on this song. Like, it's one of them songs when you first hear it, you got to keep hearing it. I remember when it came out, I was just like, yeah, I do this a lot. It's like the greatest song ever. Yeah, you do. And then, and when, when you brought it to my attention, like, this should be an underrated banger, I was like, oh my God. I immediately downloaded it. Even though I cannot find the original version on Amazon, they, they give you the remix with Chingy, which is still good, but the beat's a little different. Oh, okay. Did But if you go on YouTube, you can see the video. Yeah. And the video is typical video, but you can see the 2000s fashion in full effect. And like everybody in there had a basketball jersey and a white tee under it. Nobody had a basketball jersey from where they were from. They were all just ba- random basketball jerseys. Didn't matter. It was crazy. Didn't matter back then. I love it. All of state property, Rockefeller was in the video, Still Kanye, not. Dame Dash, uh, Freeway. Uh, Yo, that Diggle was probably in there. That group had rap on The Dip Set Boys was in there, Joel. Smash. Yeah. Just dope. And just to run some stats, number 14 on the Billboard. So this, actually, this song actually, it qualifies as an underrated banger because I think people don't remember that this was a banger. For sure. Yeah, so, but it actually did quite well on the charts. So number 14 on Billboard Hot 100, number 10 on the R&B Hip Hop, and number 6 on the rap chart. As in comparison to Impossible, which I just talked about, Impossible did not break the top 100 hot. I believe it might have cracked the uh, Hip Hop and R&B, but it did not crack the top 100. Okay. Uh, this song was also nominated for a Grammy. Best rap performance by a duo or group in 2004. I wonder who won that. You want to guess the winner and also maybe the other nominee? Rap duo in 04? Yeah. So uh, this song came out in 03. So you can think of songs from 03 because, you know, the Grammys come out February right. of the, every year. The, okay. Uh... I'm drawing a blank. Rap duos wise, like, well, don't necessarily think of groups. Think of like songs that have more than one person on. Okay. Uh, oh three. I got nothing. I'm drawing. I'm <laughs> oh man, that Price is Right sound is classic. Yeah, you need, if you can't throw that sound in there. But the nominees were, of course, the Young Gunners, Can't Stop, Won't Stop. Gossip Folks, we see Elliot featuring Ludacris. Yes, okay. Yeah, Ludacris had a dope verse on there. Magic Stick by 50 Cent and Lil' Kim, Kim, which probably could have made this underrated bangers list. I don't think that song ever caught on, and I thought it was pretty dope. It was. It was one of 50 Cent's few good songs, because his albums were trash, except for Get Rich or Die Trying. Not that first one. No, the first one is is an instant instant classic. Like that, Get Rich or Die Trying was straight fire, which, to all my people who watch Power, tell me if you agree with this. When Ghost got shot, okay, and they were showing him falling. At that instant, they should have cut in many men right then and there. Like, it, it is the perfect setting. Wait, Ghost gets shot? I ain't caught up. Oh, yeah. You got to you gotta watch it. Yeah, no, nah, I've seen enough social media to know he gets shot. You got to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but you should have... Yeah. Many men is the perfect song for we Right then shot. and there. Like, you just got shot. Like, bow, many men. <laughs> many, many, many. Like, it's just perfect. But like, the lyrics and everything. You know what I'm saying? So, all right, continue on. 
Right, oh, right. so Gotham folks, Magic Stick, 50 Cent featuring Little Kim, and Dipset, Dipset. That beat was bananas. Yeah. That beat was bananas. But the winner that year was Shake a Tail Feather. Now, oh, he did the Bad Boys 2 soundtrack. That listen, that he was going by at the time and Mercury. That that song was fire. I know every word to that song still. Yeah, I believe that song. Wasn't that song on Murphy Lee's album? Yes, that it was. That might have been Murphy Lee's song. Uh, I think it was. I don't think it really had an owner, to be honest with you. They just listed the. Because I know P. Diddy, or whoever he was at that time, produced the Bad Boys 2 soundtrack. Oh. Uh, well, yeah. That song was really good. So it technically might have been his, but I think it was on Murphy Lee's album. Now, talk about underrated Murphy Lee. Yeah, and I don't know if people have seen this, but BT did a series on called Finding. Yep, I watched it with Murphy Lee. Did you see one with Murphy Lee on it? Yep, really good. Yeah, so check that out. And yeah, just check that out. And bring back these people from the 2000s, man. Don't forget about them. They contributed. They did. Just like black people, we contribute all the time. <laughs> That's the common thing. Yeah. Uh, Contribution. It was produced by Daryl Digger. Also known as Six Bigger. That's uh, why you hear that in the beginning. Gotcha. Gotcha. First of all, shout out to any producer and DJ that does ad libs. It's the greatest thing in music and just keep doing it. That's next all right, next episode you're on, we're doing DJ ad libs. The best ones. Oh, you're darn right. That's Let's the, do it. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, Digga also produced Horse and Carriage. Okay. And as you just mentioned, Mini Men. Yeah. Didn't know that. Um, yeah, and then um, what am I gonna say? Tough Love was the album this song was on. Tough Love is a really good album. The Young Guns were a good group, and I saw on the YouTube comment that the reason they probably never got bigger than they did is because Rockefeller started to break up around this time. They did, and they kind of just got lost in the shuffle. Yeah. So shout out to the Young Guns, man. All right. Make sure you add all these people when you post a song or mention them. Oh, for sure. I got to find them on Instagram. (laughs) I'm pretty sure they got an Instagram. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. All right. Round us out. You want the next one? Yep. Round us out. Buzzing um, by Man. Man is from West L.A. He The song is produced by J.R. Rotem. I think that's the little tag in the beginning. You don't get quite under. You sound like a robot. I think he's saying J.R. wrote him in okay. the beginning. Okay. He also produced Rihanna SOS, Rick Ross Push It, <sighs> and Fly Lay in the Club, just to name a few. Push It to the Limit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good one. Yeah, that's all I have. Uh, most people might know the remix with 50 Cent. I think I mentioned earlier the sample for new, his new shoes, I Can't Wait, which is a banger in itself that song actually probably went like number one in crap when it was out okay so shout out to the that song that dropped in 2011 and if my lbs are listening to all those who went on that miami spring break trip 2011 like that was the anthem we heard it in the car so it was so random I, like i think we were hungover coming back from subway and the song came on in the car and it was like yo what it, like this song like it slaps like what is this from the whole time, y'all weren't saying flat back then. We wasn't. I don't know what we were saying, but like, it, it was it slapped. So we like played it 
the remainder three, four days we was there, even made a hop to it. You know what I'm saying? I'm gonna find the video. I'm gonna find the video and post it on the on the said talk page because we made a hop to it. It was pretty dope. So shout yeah. out to the the LB Spring 09 11 Elite. Right. So this song <laughs> never really uh, caught on too much. I don't know if it was a had very California or slash West Coast vibe. I think so. Uh, man is from LA. Yeah. The group New Shoes, where the sample comes from, are from Portland, Oregon. Really? You know? Yeah, they are. Are they black? East Coast folks. Yeah, East Coast folks. Maybe just didn't really rock with this song. But I, I love this song because I love the new shoes. I can't wait, which is a dope song, and I can't say that enough. But the the just statistics number sixty one on the Billboard Hot one hundred, number seventy on the R and B hip hop, thirteen on the rap. It did hit number six on the UK charts. Uh, so I hope uh, man made him some some British pounds off of this. Right, got some tea and crumpets. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and to round it out for sure Marvin Gaye and Chardonnay this was the second single from the debut album of Big Sean featuring Kanye West and Roscoe Death so let me start with it Big Sean is just an underrated rapper period mm-hmm. this dude can really rap and he does not get enough credit I'm not sure why I don't know if it's you know him or what what's going on with that him but Dude is a phenomenal rapper. Also, did you know that Roscoe's dad's real name is Jeffrey Johnson? I did not know that. Did you think Roscoe Dash was his real name or some variation of that? I figured his name might have been Roscoe or Ronald or something. You know what I'm saying? Or his last name might have been Dash and just, you know, yeah. Completely different. He, he brought on a whole different persona. Right. So this song was not produced by Kanye. I don't know why. For some reason, I believe any song Kanye is on that he produced, but that's not true. Produced by Pop Wenzel. That guy also produced Here, Alicia Cara's song. That's a, talking about sitting in the corner during a party. Yeah, that's a good song. And Good Kisser is a dope song. Good Kisser by Usher, which is also a dope song. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then also on produced production credit, Mike Dean, 54-year-old guy. He is. Uh, he's mixed and recorded a lot of Kanye songs. He's actually won five Grammys. Wow! Being an engineer, mixer, and songwriter, they're all from Kanye songs. Uh, for example, Late Registration won Best Rap Album 2006. He was part of that, and he was a songwriter on the Good Life Kanye song in 2008. With T Pain. Yeah. Welcome to. So the- shout out to yep. those guys for that. This is the second single from that album, uh, Finally Famous. I had to look up the first because I could not remember. And uh, it, my last. Sean put out a song, My Last. With Chris Brown. put out this song. With Chris Brown. With Chris, you remember that? Yeah, that was a good song. That al- that- I, had to, I had to YouTube it because I couldn't remember yeah. how it sounded. Yeah, that album is just good. So well, they no- want the banger. This is the banger. This should have been the lead single. It should have. It should have. It really should have. Like, I mean, this is a banger that's the one you 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 list it, they put out a different single they put out my last and there's, there's a lot of albums like that too where they put out one song but then like there's another on there that's like yo you should have led with this one you know what i'm saying like this one is the song that like i'm gonna listen to this other that. one and um that comes to mind right away and then he came out around this time 
uh, DeRoe. He had Walk That Walk. But the song that got him famous was Ice Cream Paint Job. <laughs> yep. That's that's yeah. a dumb Yeah, but <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. Shout out to DeRoe. Oh, and the but, remix? Now the his verse on the remix is really, really good. They added Jim Jones trash verse because I think he's a terrible rapper. Uh, worst rapper all the whole time. Uh, the worst. Great, great producer. Oh, yes. Worst rap. Terrible yeah. rap. Terrible. Uh, yep. Yeah, all right. Oh, let me get the stats real quick. Uh, number four on the rap charts. Only number 32 on the Hot 100 and number one on the R&B and hip hop charts. So the culture definitely was feeling this song. But I don't know. If this song came on in an age-appropriate party, I have to say age-appropriate because if you're too young, you're going to hate on the song because it's good. Yep. If this song came on at an age-appropriate party, would people be feeling it? I think so. Uh, came on, it came on today. Yeah, I I, I think so. Um, it's just, oh, man, it's, it's like, it's definitely a feel-good song. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Big Sean lyrically is so underrated as you mentioned and like lyrically it's just a good song you know what I'm saying and then even if you don't want to pay attention to that the hook you know what I'm saying shout out to the boy Roscoe man he had a nice little run Roscoe after T-Pain man he was the hook king Yeah, he had some other stuff. He was associated. Wasn't he associated with Travis Porter? Originally. Like in the beginning? Okay, another group. I don't. I don't know if they were. Uh, un- they are so underrated. People have forgotten about them. Tra- we might. We could do a whole episode on how Travis, Travis Porter. Is. Travis Porter. That music, money, and Magnum's mixtape. Straight flames. And I've been trying to find it, and I cannot. Like I cannot find it anywhere. On um, thatpiff.com. Okay, I, f- I forgot about that piff. Yeah, I think that's like the house house where all the mixtapes are housed. Listen, nowadays. I gotta hear it because it is the old one. It I'm was, pretty sure you could get it. I remember walking to class listening to that joint. That was a bank. That that joint was a banger for sure. All right, finish off. Finish off. Um, this song was certified platinum in 2014, so it sold a million copies. So this song did have a lot of success, but I feel like it's underrated because Big Sean is underrated. Yep. And people hate Kanye now. Yep. So <laughs> people might have forgot. And I'm sure there's so many others. We actually had more, so we probably have to come back to this. Yeah, we will. Do it again. So we'll uh, we'll come back to this. So we'll have more underrated bangers, and it will also give you. DJ ad libs is too, so. Oh man, the best DJ and yeah. producer. At, um, what do you call it? producer tags? Producer yeah. tags and DJ ad libs. The drops, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll give you those, the ad libs and stuff like that. We'll just do a, a full music episode. I think we can do that. All right, yeah, man. Yeah. You got anything else with the bangers? And made the two thousands never die, bro. Never. Three, three of the ones we gave were from the 2000s, two from the 2010. So. Cool. All right, man. That was good. That was good. Good stuff. 
Well, with that being said, uh, normally I have some type of inspirational thing going on. Uh, I usually write something up for you all to uh, kind of think on, but I didn't this time. Uh, I just want to wish everybody again. I know we're well into the new year, about a month, but again, happy new year. I just want to say thanks to everybody who has listened thus far. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm seeing my listens go up each time I check SoundCloud. Uh, So it's really, really uh, exciting to see that this has been you know Justin and I have talked about this for a long time so this is very exciting for us to be able to do it uh, I thank God for situations where that allows me to do it you know what I'm saying I mentioned on here before that I'm part-time status and uh, one of the things my parents have told me is that to stay busy while you wait on God so that's what I'm doing and uh, it's worked you know so I've been staying busy this keeps me busy I do the research for the topics I write stuff up each week and uh, it's good Quick thing before we go, I just want to say once again, be sure to follow us on Instagram. We got an Instagram page. We'll post all the uniform pics. I'll post uh, links and things like that on there as well throughout the stories and the uh, main page as well. So the Instagram tag is at said underscore talk. Be sure to follow us. We'll follow you back. Also, we have said talk tees. You can get those at teespring.com slash said dash talk dash tees. Uh, and the proceeds go towards supporting my nonprofit organization, Palmetto Pride Sports. Hey, I got to pay for one since I'm, you know, kind of part of the show. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll do it. I'll do a discount thing on the on the thing so you can get half off or something. I'm just kidding. I don't want to discount. I will definitely plan to get myself a t-shirt. For sure. And then that's another thing, black people. Just because um, your friends got a business going, you know what I mean? You got to get a discount. Don't. Support them. Pay full price. For sure. Because you pay full price for everything else. You pay full price for the man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, man. Uh, well, thanks to Justin for being back on. We'll be back again. I'll have him back in February. Uh, I think I'm going to designate a week for you so that we know when you're coming so you're consistent with it. Uh, so maybe the... I need a, a lot of um, advance notice. The, maybe the third week. Seven-month-old child. Right. Shout out to the packs and uh, third week of the month. We'll probably is, that, is that where we're at now? What is this? The this, fourth Thursday? I think this is like the fourth because January's got like 5,000 Mondays or whatever. But uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll work it out. Anyways. We'll all figure it out. Cool. But uh, the, the qu- only question I have left is uh, am I allowed back? Yes, you're you're allowed back. So the, your black history stuff wasn't as ridiculous as I thought it was going to be. So yeah, I, I tried. I figured the slave rebellion reenactment was going to be the one <laughs> that got me uh, suspended or <laughs> abandoned yeah. or kicked off the podcast. But. All right. Cool. All right, man. Well, appreciate you being on. We'll have you back next month. And once again, thanks for everybody for listening. I appreciate you. And we're going to let this young drove. Y'all stay fresh. Fade us out. Hey, also an underrated banger. It is. Hey. Ladies and gentlemen, 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 you and I tune in to the very best. Yeah, you know what it is. The flies in the game, daddy.
whole fresher than a pillow now. Ain't one steady, made my baby. We gon' flip it up, party. 